coach, teacher, podcaster, online business owner, and above all, I am constantly dreaming up ways to reimagine education. I provide teachers with tips, tricks, and strategies to transform their classrooms into learning hubs that are filled with creativity, innovation, and discovery. I hope to empower all teachers, no matter what subject they teach, to experiment with innovative learning models and lead their classrooms with 21st century skills. So let's learn and grow together as 21st century educators. This is the EdTech Classroom Podcast. Teaching with technology brings up a whole new unchartered territory for teachers. And the one we're going to be talking about today is student privacy and safety online. So sure, you know, we know generally how we can keep our students safe online. You know, we can tell them how to make safe choices and we can encourage them to do things like not talk to strangers on social media or not post identifiable information online. You know, we can even teach our students how to create things like strong passwords. But as teachers, there are actually a bunch of really helpful tips and steps that we can take to help keep our students safe. And listen, I know that we're juggling a lot right now. I say this in pretty much every episode, but you know, we're teaching online, we're teaching in a socially distanced classroom. We are wearing all of the hats and it's totally hard, but my hope is that today's episode will give you just a couple of recommendations on how you can easily help your students maintain safe and positive behavior online. Now, in theory, this sounds like maybe a boring episode, and I promise it's actually going to be pretty interesting. Maybe this is the nerd in me, but I find all of this stuff about digital citizenship and student privacy online, I find it to be really interesting. So keep listening because I have three main buckets for today's episode. We're going to be specifically talking about, like I just said, promoting digital citizenship and positive online behavior. So first, we're going to take a look at FERPA and student privacy laws. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go deep into the law here. We're going to keep it casual, but we are going to take a look at FERPA because I think it's really important for teachers to learn about if they aren't familiar with it already. Then we're going to take a look at some ideas on how you can promote positive online behavior through teaching about digital citizenship. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about web filtering. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So first on my list here, I have FERPA. So the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, which is more commonly referred to as FERPA, protects the privacy of student education records. So I'm gonna avoid getting into the nitty gritty details here, but basically FERPA helps your students stay safe and keeps their information private. So a lot of people don't realize this, but FERPA actually has a lot of guidelines for teachers about student privacy and confidentiality. And I'm saying this because I don't want listeners to be confused. This, what I'm sharing right now, is not an opinion about student privacy. I mean, technically it is my opinion because I agree with it, but it's actually the law. So I really like to spread the word about this because I know there are so many amazing teachers out there doing even more amazing things 
who might not actually realize that there are small steps that they can take to ensure the privacy of their students. Plus, in just in general, it's important for us to follow the law and we wanna make sure that we're doing what's best for our students too. So I have a couple of notes about FERPA here that I really wanna point out. Now, I realize this is probably the boring part of the episode, but you guys, it's so important, which is why we're dedicating today's episode to this idea. So these, these ideas that I'm gonna share right now, these are just specific points, specific points about technology. So be sure to reference more info later if you're curious about the entirety of the teacher guidelines section of FERPA. But um, again, we're just gonna be looking specifically about the role that technology plays in the teacher guidelines section of FERPA. So for those of you who don't know, Jillian Starr, first of all, she's amazing. I highly recommend checking her out if you aren't familiar with her but she has a really great Cliff Notes section or version of FERPA that outlines the 10 things that every teacher should know about FERPA, which I'll link in this episode description. So the number one thing that I think teachers should know is that we can't share student faces, names, or any student identifiers without explicit parental consent. So let me say that one more time. It's technically illegal for teachers to share things like pictures of students or student names or any sort of identifiers online without parental consent. And this is explicit parental consent too. So very explicit parental consent. And so even though, you know, so many teachers are really well-intentioned and, you know, they're so excited and so proud of their students' work, it's actually a breach of student privacy and confidentiality to post these things online, you know, on your own personal social media. So of course, if a family gives you explicit consent, then you're in the clear. But it's important to note that things like a school media release, for example, that doesn't cover what you post as a teacher online. So you actually need a separate release form in order for you to post pictures of your students on your own personal accounts, you know, your own social media profiles, for example. Oh yeah, and something else that's kind of crazy that I think a lot of teachers don't realize is that even handwriting counts as a student identifier. So for me, my mind was blown when I heard this for the first time. I had no idea that handwriting would count as a student identifier. So that means, you know, posting a picture of student work online with a student's handwriting is technically against the law. So now for number two on my FERPA points list here, (laughs) Um, we have always use pre-approved technology and apps to avoid any issues. So most schools and districts have a director of technology of some sort, right? Who creates things like a list of approved technology and apps. So for my school, for example, I'm a part of our technology department. So I, for example, at the start of the school year, help put together a list of pre-approved, what we like to call our core apps that we encourage our teachers to use with students. So if you have something like this at your school or in your district, you probably know, especially right now, uh, if you have a director of technology, but if you don't, consider reaching out to your principal or to your team members to find out. Um, You know, before I personally introduce an app to my students, I always like to double check that it's on the pre-approved list. And if it's not, 
then I'll reach out to our tech director so that I can actually find out. Um, I found that uh, they can be really helpful in providing feedback on apps and whether they're actually good for student learning and whether they're good for keeping students safe online. Um, I've, I've also found that Common Sense Media can be a really, really reliable resource to vet apps online. So if you haven't checked out the Common Sense app reviews, I'd highly recommend it. Um, you know, there are tons of really great reviews from teachers that explain everything from, you know, how apps can be used in the classroom in effective and meaningful ways, you know, what sort of distractions are on these apps, how they're good for learning. Um, so check out Common Sense app reviews if you haven't already. You know, another thing though in this same, this same vein here is that something really crazy that you might not even realize is that having something like an Amazon Alexa in your classroom can actually be a really big breach of confidentiality and student privacy. And so really any of these tech tools here. So that's true of you know tons of other tech tools. So be sure to reach out to your team members or to your tech director if you have any questions about what might be approved at your school. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to you know, get in big trouble if you use one of these platforms. So I'm not trying to scare you, but it's always a good idea to double check that we're keeping our students safe with our technology. You know, this is something I, I think about a lot, but technology is developing so fast, you know, and all these bells and whistles can make it seem, you know, so fun. You know, right now we're looking for these really fun and engaging ways to, you know, include technology in our curriculum because we have to right now. Um, and the bells and whistles are really fun. But in reality, it can be really hard to keep track of what actually supports students and their safety. Um, you know, and your tech team is here to support you. And hey, also, if you don't have someone at your school who does this, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to be that resource for you too. So number three on my FERPA list, we have students are creating digital footprints online in our classrooms. Now, this is something that I've wrestled with as a tech teacher. In my classroom, when students use technology, I recognize that they're creating a digital footprint online. And in some ways, I worry that my students aren't really old enough to have a say or a voice online. But that's why I'm all about helping students build healthy relationships with technology. You know, this generation of students, whether we like it or not, they're going to have a big digital footprint online. You know, their lives are going to be filled with so much more tech than ours ever were. And so if we can help students learn how to manage that, you know, manage this digital footprint in a healthy and positive way, then I feel like we're really making a big difference as teachers. Which then brings me to my second big bucket here, which is digital citizenship. So we know this, it's true, that kids are using tech in the 2020-2021 school year more than ever before. Kids are plugged in. And that makes this a perfect time for us to teach students about digital citizenship. Now, just in case you aren't familiar with this term, it's basically the idea that students can be productive digital citizens by making smart choices online, in life, and in their communities. We all really need 
digital citizenship skills to thrive in this tech-filled world around us. You know, teachers need these skills too. And so when teaching students about digital citizenship, I really like to focus on some big concepts. I like to look at things like, you know, privacy and security, of course, and, um, you know, digital footprints and identity, um, you know, themes like media balance and well-being, cyberbullying, hate speech, even news and media literacy. So, you know, teaching students ways and strategies for detecting fake news online. And so when you set students up with these skills, they're able to thrive in your classroom, but they're also able to thrive in life. When you teach students these themes, you set them up for life. You know, you're preparing them for the real world. Now, I understand that knowing where to start can be tricky. I mean, it's a really big lofty subject that even I, a big tech you know, fan expert, if you will, I find it to be a big lofty subject. But that's why I'm a huge fan of the common sense education digital citizenship curriculum. So if you haven't heard about this, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I actually got this little excerpt here from their website, uh, but I think it's a really great um, way that to sort of summarize what the curriculum is actually like. So designed and developed in partnership with Project Zero at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and guided by research with thousands of educators, each digital citizenship lesson takes on real challenges and digital dilemmas that students face today, giving them the skills they need to succeed as digital leaders, learners, and citizens tomorrow. So I just love that. I love the idea of helping students take ownership over their digital lives. With tons of lesson ideas and videos, you know, resources and more, the Common Sense Digital Citizenship Curriculum, it's a tongue twister for me every time, is guaranteed to help you save time. But I think even more than that, it's really gonna guarantee that you'll be able to present these concepts to students in age-appropriate and healthy ways. So this curriculum too, by the way, is also organized by grade level, which I think is great because no matter what subject you teach, you can use common sense as your guide. And by the way, none of this is sponsored. This episode is not sponsored. I don't make money from this podcast. I'm just a huge fan of common sense. You know, I'm a huge common sense fangirl. And they've transformed my digital classroom. And I know they've been a huge resource to families too when thinking about the use of media in the home environment. Okay, so now we are going to hardcore switch gears here to talk about perhaps the most obvious way you can help keep students safe online, which is web filtering. So the World Wide Web has, well, <laughs> a world of information right at our fingertips. I mean, how many times have you accidentally stumbled upon something shocking or inappropriate online? Or, or even worse, how many times have your students stumbled upon something you definitely don't wanna be showing them that day? You know, I'll be honest, this has happened to me. You know, this has happened in my classroom. And so one of the best ways that you can keep students safe online is by using web filtering. Now, you don't have to have fancy software here, okay? You can have students use certain websites. There are really great kid-friendly websites for students who are looking to do research projects or watch videos. 
So I'm going to give you three, three great websites that I'd recommend checking out. So first I'd recommend instead of using YouTube, you can use a website called safeyoutube.net. And basically the way it works is you, you know, find a video on YouTube that you really like, you grab the URL, then you go to this other website, safeyoutube.net, you paste the URL, and then it basically strips the YouTube videos of ads, you know, suggested videos, all sort of content that could be potentially inappropriate. Uh, and then you can share this new link with students in a way that's really safe, especially for elementary students. Now you can also use, instead of having students use Google, you know, for a research project, for example, you could have students use safe search for kids. So it's pretty much the same concept as Google. It's a search engine, but it's one that's really safe for kids. Um, so it's called safe search for kids. And then lastly, instead of having students read, you know, regular news online where they might stumble upon something inappropriate or potentially, um, you know, scary for students, I'd recommend using Newzella. Uh, it's a really great ed tech company if you haven't heard of it. Um, I'll have all of these three resources linked in this episode description. Um, so again, if you haven't tried using these resources with your students, first of all, what are you waiting for? They're so awesome, especially for elementary students. You know, with these resources, you don't have to worry about what your students might see online. You know, instead you can focus on teaching them really great content. And so of course, now if you're using a fleet of devices, for example, so let me back up here. If your school is a Chromebook school, or if your school has iPads for all the students or something like that, there is a pretty good chance that your tech department already has, you know, some more intense web filtering systems in place. Um, but if not, don't worry, you know, other resources like the ones I just mentioned, you know, a few seconds ago are a really great and helpful place for you to start. But if you do work at a school that has web filtering in place, I will say chances are you'll probably know. And so for us, you know, it might be the occasional eye roll, right? When you're trying to peruse the newsfeed after school, uh, you know, and it's blocked, but for students, this is really huge. I mean, this is how we can keep students safe. Um, so now the last suggestion I'm going to point out here is sort of related, right? To this idea of having software. So I know before I said, you don't need software to do web filtering and that's true, but I do want to pose, um, you know, propose, sorry, a suggestion that I think is really valuable for thinking about how we can keep students safe online. So this suggestion does cost money. Now it's not one that you'd want to pay out of pocket for. It's instead something that your school or your district or your principal would pay for. I just convinced my school to set up a program called GoGuardian. And let me tell you guys, it has been a game changer during remote learning. With GoGuardian, we are able to manage our students' devices. We're able to understand their behavior online, and we can even guarantee their safety online. Now this is huge. So GoGuardian is an ed tech company and they have four different core products. So they have admin, they have teacher, fleet, and beacon. So today I'm just gonna briefly mention the two that I think apply to teachers the most right now. Um, so I'm not gonna go into all four of these products, but I do wanna briefly mention two. 
that I'd recommend, you know, considering reaching out to your school to see if they can, if they can, um, you know, institute. So first, GoGuardian Teacher is awesome because it allows teachers to gain real-time views into student activity. So with devices in the classroom, for example, you know, you can't always see what students are doing behind their screens. You know, that's true in person and that's true online. So GoGuardian Teacher is awesome because it allows you to know what students are doing on their devices in real time and, you know, whether they're off task or whether they need help. So you can also do things like, you know, limit browsing and view browsing history for students so that instead of, you know, having to worry about what students are doing on their screens, you can actually, you know, walk around the classroom and you can interact with students and you can teach them with fewer online distractions. So this is another really great feature of GoGuardian Teacher. Basically, you can limit browsing and you can also view student browsing history. And I also want to say, you know, listen, I don't blame our students. Screens are distracting. They're literally programmed to be distracting and to be addictive in some ways. And I'm not saying that lightly either. You know, screens are designed to be this way. And so because of this, I think that GoGuardian Teacher can be a really great tool to help students connect with your curriculum, you know, free from distractions. So next, I want to talk about GoGuardian Admin. So this is just, you know, as a member of our tech department, what I'm really jazzed about. Um, GoGuardian Admin allows us to protect our students from harmful content and eliminate potential distractions online too. So this idea is taken from the GoGuardian website here, but it's an example that I think about pretty much every single day as a teacher during remote learning. So I love YouTube. You guys might know this, but I'm an active YouTuber myself and I'm always watching YouTube videos in my free time. But I also know that it can become a black hole of endless content. And as a student, I think it can probably be difficult to resist the temptation of watching YouTube videos, especially when you're learning from home. I think a lot of teachers probably, you know, know about the distraction and black hole that is YouTube. What's great about GoGuardian Admin is that it allows students to unlock the potential of educational tools like YouTube while simultaneously setting digital guidelines for students to follow. So GoGuardian has this really flexible YouTube filtering options and they allow you to curate your school policies to block, you know, things like comments and keywords and live chat. You can even block entire video categories. So for example, we've blocked the entire entertainment category so that students can't basically, you know, watch, um, you know, TV essentially on YouTube all day. And so some even, you know, cooler parts of GoGuardian admin is that you can also do things like identify students who are most at risk in terms of mental health problems and suicide. So you can do this by tracking and monitoring device activity. And I mean, that's really powerful when you start to think about how you can possibly even save a student's life by using a tool like this. You know, you're able to connect students to resources and counselors. And so if you can't tell, I'm a huge GoGuardian fan. And again, not sponsored, but I think it's important. Like I said, I convinced my school to invest in this platform 
And I am thanked daily, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm truly thanked daily by our admin and our families. Go Guardian is a game changer. And so I'm gonna have the Go Guardian website linked in this episode description in case you wanna learn more about them. I know that teachers don't necessarily feel like they have a big say in terms of budget sometimes at their schools, uh, but I think when we talk about things like student privacy, it is really important for us to consider implementing in our classrooms, especially in this remote learning environment. All right, so that is my list. There we have it. <laughs> my three big ideas for ways that we can promote digital citizenship and positive online behavior. You know, we can educate ourselves on FERPA. We can educate ourselves on student privacy laws. You know, we can create digital citizenship lessons and we can even use web filtering to keep our students safe. So what other ideas do you have? I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at myedtechclassroom at gmail.com or as always, you can follow me on Instagram at edtechclass. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the EdTech Classroom Podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe, give me a five-star review, throw me some love. It helps new podcasters like me so much. And I'll see you all back here soon. Bye, friends. Bye.